Hello, mainstreamers and cinephiles and everybody in between. I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. And Operation Silver Screen is a go. Welcome, everyone, to another weekly debrief. Each week, Bryant and I take on a case from our backlog of must-see films that either one of us or both of us have yet to see. In our debrief, we'll provide not only our opinion of the film, but we'll also discuss its significance and influence in both the film industry and society as a whole. Along the way, we'll also provide other fun trivia and insights on the film. So, Brian, what was our mission this week? We're continuing the celebration of Asian American and Pacific Islander Month. We're turning our attention to, this time, the largest film industry as far as output in the world. Now, some people are like, wait, Hollywood is in America, not Asia. And not talking about Hollywood. I'm actually talking about Bollywood from India. And then people are like, uh, India is not Asian. And then I would reference you to a map. And the movie that we're going to be talking about in particular to Bollywood is going to be Diwale Dohane Le Jange. That's the Ooh, best I can bad. say it. That was Ka- bad. <laughs> go ahead, Caitlin. Go ahead. Try yours. Let me see. Diwale Duhanya Lujayenge. That was really good. I don't know why you expected any better from me. Don't don't act yeah, like I mean, I'm I'm probably still not pronouncing it completely right. Uh, yeah. So disclaimer for this episode: like we are trying our best to, uh, you know, be respectful to the languages here, and so we're trying. So just please bear with us, and please correct us if you want to do that as well. Yeah, please cut me a break. J- Caitlin already gives me like. You guys can't see what I'm seeing. It's it's like, come on, give me, like you really expected me to get that? Even like, I tried. I listened to it like I repeated it and listened to it like 50 times, and that that's 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 I can do. I've been saying it for like the last three days, just randomly. And this is gonna be the movie from that title. How we're gonna refer to it is how a lot of people refer to it, which is D D L J. And you're probably wondering, like, well, hey, you guys, maybe try to stop being so pretentious. Just say the English title. Guess what? There isn't any. I tried. There's an English translation, but there's not an English title. The translation is The Bravehearted Will Take the Bride. But yeah, I'm not going to refer to it as that. Yeah, that... Ugh. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is that of 1995. There is a movie with the same title from 1980. We'll be talking about the very popular Indian film from 1995. If you have not seen this film... Hey, don't worry. We're not going to go ahead and spoil anything from you. When we get to that portion of the show, we're going to go ahead and do a Bollywood dance number and announce that we're doing spoilers as well. (laughs) Looking forward to that. (laughs) Yes. So why do we go ahead and pick this movie? Is this movie very acclaimed? Yes, it is. This has a 8.0 on IMDb. It has a 100% uh, critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes so yes it's perfect but uh, it's not certified because it only has six reviews honestly but over a 10,000 audience were averaged out to 94% this is also on the 1001 movies to watch before you die one of three Hindi films I believe on that list only three what did you find in your research Caitlin Uh, This film was widely popular at release, both in India and also among the Indian diaspora. Uh, It sold out several theaters in Mumbai. Mumbai is kind of uh, where Bollywood is really centralized. It was the highest grossing Indian film of that year, and it's among the highest grossing Bollywood films of all time. It was ranked among the timed of India's lift of the 10 Bollywood movies you must see before you die. 
And it was also placed 12th on the British Film Institute's list of top Indian films of all time as well. As far as awards, it did win several awards in India. It won 10 Filmfare Awards, which is the Hindi Language Film Awards. And that includes awards for Best Film, Best Director, Best Actor, Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Best Screenplay, and, and of course, several more. And it also won an award at the National Film Awards, which is India's most prominent film awards for Best Popular Film Providing Wholesome Entertainment, which is it's kind of specific there. Y- yeah, that, that is really specific. Um, I'm guessing that they, with, with the amount of politics that they have there, because I noticed when this movie started up, this has a film certificate from India. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's yeah. from their government. But uh, I think that a lot of films, a lot of films that I've seen do have that, but I'm not entirely sure what it means. It reminds me of the the Hayes Code. That sounds like an award presentation that the Hayes Code would have. Wholesome Content Awards. <laughs> so Wholesome it's, Content Awards. I'm I'm not surprised that another nation is still I don't know if they still have that award going on if it's still titled like that but I mean it's been in our history and of course somebody another nation would probably carry it on or not carry ours on but have something similar. For those who don't know this movie is about two young Indians. Uh one tied closer to their roots than the other one, one living more in a conservative family and the other living with their liberal liberal father. Both of them decide to take a trip in Europe once they have finished their studies and are moving on into the second portion of their lives. And during that trip in Europe, the two, while at first are reluctant to befriend each other, end up forming a bond which goes ahead and turns into something more intimate as the movie goes along. But there are obstacles in place, one being Raj, the male central character, has a maturity to be gained, a lot to be gained. And Simran, the female, the did I say male character for Raj? I think you okay. Simran, the woman character. Gotta make sure I don't say female for Caitlin here. Uh, <laughs> again, it's not sexist. It's just it's military. It all depends on context. It's all context. Like I feel like that's fine for me. The female lead, I think, would be okay. Okay. But like when you're just talking about oh those females, the females. Those <laughs> that's female the problem. <laughs> So can can I say the leading broad? How how is that? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> now Simran is the the young female character uh, central on this film, and her obstacle is well not only you know getting to really know herself outside of her family, but also she has an arranged marriage as well. And this is actually, this is quite a long film. I, I will tell people that right now because some people are going to hear this review and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go check out the movie or maybe not, depending on our opinions. It is a three-hour film, okay? So a lot does happen with that plot. And I was wondering during the film too, I'm like, where are they going to go next? And they, they managed to fill it up. I'll, I'll say that much before I get into my opinion. And speaking of opinions, before my, Caitlin, ladies first, what, what is your opinion? Like you said, this is a three-hour film and that's not uncommon for films from india from my experience a lot of them tend to have a longer runtime and i personally haven't seen too many hindi films uh so this is a hindi language film from india india of course has several other languages in the country that are also spoken but particularly with hindi language films i haven't had too much of an experience with that and with bollywood films 
Uh, obviously, I, I know about them, and I've seen some like more Bollywood-inspired films. There's a film called Bride and Prejudice that I've talked about in our Pride and Prejudice episode, but it's kind of a Bollywood-inspired British film. And then I've seen another one called but I do that's on Netflix currently and but that was about the extent of my my real experience there with Bollywood films so I think I had a little bit of preconceived notions going in just because length does get to me at times I think we've talked about this before I think it gets to me a little bit more than it does you and there have been other films I've seen that you know they drag for me when it hits that three hour mark but this one wasn't bad for me. I think that there was a couple moments where it dragged a little bit, but in general, I thought this was a very engaging film. It was a fun film to watch, and while there are things I liked and disliked about it, I think it did keep my attention. Yeah, I definitely have an easier time. Sometimes I even challenge myself. I was actually, I watched this pretty late. I didn't start this movie till 11 at night. So as it was going, I was like, hmm, maybe I want to, you know, pause it right here, go get some sleep and come back to it. And I thought, no, 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 we don't do that. Brian doesn't do that. He goes ahead and he finishes the movie once he starts it, unless it's terrible or something happens, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I stayed up, watched this whole film. Didn't, didn't have an issue at all. Had an issue waking up this morning. That was about it. <laughs> yeah, because I had to get up a couple of times and, and do things and get more food, go to the bathroom, all that. So I didn't finish this till like three. But it being three hours, it is three hours of some goodness. I really like this film. I I would say like after the 30 minute mark, I, I was in it. I was, this is a movie that when I finished it, like, like after I watched Top Gun, you know, you just want to, you just want to drive fast in your car. You want to get your jet <laughs> license. I finished Creed. I wanted to go and just, just start boxing. This movie just gave me so much energy three o'clock in the morning made me want to go out start dancing uh <laughs> you know start going romantic getaways i had a lot of fun with this movie and there's a lot of things that contribute to that the one it is a like a lot of bollywood films it has a musical uh incorporation to it and the musicals are really good there's one the the first one was a little too music video e. Like, it, it was just, they were going in, like, random spots. Mm -hmm. But after yeah. that, I think they, they really cleaned it up and kept it tight, and I was engaged in all of those. Uh, there's a lot of characters throughout this film, especially for three hours. You, you get to know a lot of these characters, and everybody gets some really good screen time in their own development, you know, based on, on how much they have going on. Uh, this was also, I wasn't expecting it to be so funny. I, w I was yeah. laughing throughout this, fun this, this film. It's also a great looking film as well. It incorporated um, what was modern during its time uh, as far as filming, but then they also had in some older Aspire shots. Like there's um, several times Saran has the, the glam shot on her. And I, I also, this is, I told you during the apartment, I'm a sucker for well-written films. And I think this movie is very quotable. There were a lot of conversations that were deep, emotional, impactful that I I really enjoyed. And I was always looking forward to the next conversation that somebody was was going to have because I was interested in what they were going to say to each other. This was a this was a lot of fun for me. This made me wonder, like, am I is romantic films my new jam? Because we we're talking about uh, <laughs> last year with Pretty Woman that I haven't seen many romance films. Not because I'm turned away from it, not because I believe they're chick flicks. 
it's just I don't know those those kind of films they just never been the ones that I'm like all right let me go ahead and turn this one but I've been liking all the ones we've had throughout Pretty Woman, Love and Basketball, The Apartment I loved, uh, of course uh, Worst Person in the World. Mm-hmm. Though some of those are more somber, like Lost in Translation is my favorite movie, and that's a bit more somber though. This movie is is th- this is the kind of thing I was thinking about recently. I was like, what is a good like wholesome, good feeling romance that film that I can recommend? And this this will be it. This is the kind of movie that gives you hope that there's something out there. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed this film as well. Like I said, I thought it was engaging. The dialogue I thought was really good, and it was funny, and it was fun to watch. There's a lot of romance tropes in this um, that are a little stereotypical. Like there's, of course, it's it's kind of like an enemies to lover story. There is a part where they're locked in a room together. There's the one bed trope. So it's in there. But, you know, tropes are tropes for a reason. It keeps you engaged and it's an interesting story. And, you know, sometimes there's that's not necessarily a bad thing in a romance movie. Um, there's some things that you're talking about the music. I really did enjoy the music. There was a couple times where I didn't appreciate, like, the music in the the montage scenes those I think did drag a little bit for me but the music got everywhere else for me just really did work I I do really enjoy Bollywood music and I enjoyed how it was incorporated most of the time in this film as far as our two leads I really did like Simran I think that she was a really good lead and I liked her story Raj needed to grow on me a little bit though and he needed some growing to do I thought you know the first part of his movie I thought wow this man is so annoying (laughs) he's got this little laugh he's just rude I was like I I don't know about this (laughs) I don't know if I can get behind this but the character did end up growing on me and you know I he was very expressive with his emotions later on in the film and that was very nice to see I think that this is a sweet romance film there were um some elements of the feminist angle that were a little bit conflicting for me and things that I didn't really like um that might be dated now and I'll go into that a little bit more later but overall I did enjoy this film I I did like them as well with their chemistry I thought they had not only good chemistry but they had good growing chemistry like when they're first kind of enemies with each other and then they start to kind of become frenemies I guess you would say into those intimate moments I thought like each stage I really felt it with those characters which I know is it it would be a bit challenging for them because they actually already had chemistry together like they were already friends before filming this movie so to you know, really be able to showcase that you guys don't like each other when in real life you do. That's uh, that's that's good acting on their part. I didn't have any trouble with the themes, but we'll go ahead and, and talk about them a little bit more, of course. I don't know if some of those are spoilery. Oh, yeah. As far as, as Raj, it kind of reminded me of when Harry met Sally, how I felt about Harry at first. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. oh, man, this dude needs to grow up or like I'm not going to believe any of this because we see it in a lot of romance films, too. I think that's the problem is that we see that cliche of the man-child who never does grow up, but they say something nice once and all of a sudden everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But for, for Raj, I think one of the things that helps with this film too is, well, it, it's a long film, so they have a lot of time for character growth. But this film kind of yes. changes the attention of the characters. It, Simran is kind of the, the, the central star of this film, and then at like the halfway point, it starts to switch to Raj a bit. And... 
that's when you get to see a bit more with him. And yeah, he still needs to grow up, but there, there is a lot of things inside him that you see that you can go, okay, he is going to grow up eventually. Like he may not be fully mature at the end of this film, but you can see that later in life, like this character would be, you know, a mature and respectable person. But yeah, at first he reminded me of that type of person that you never want to see on social media or TikTok. Like he's got way too much money from from his parents. He's that that rich kid, and you guys all know what I'm talking about. I bet everybody can probably think of that one social media TikTok celebrity that you're just like, God dang it, someone needs to just give this kid a reality check. Was he rich? Yeah, he was. He was rich. He had money. You see him when when he drives back to his home that one time. You, his house is big, and there's like four cars out there, and there's only two of them living in the house. Gotcha. And I love with, with his father when he fails out of school and his father's still proud of him. That had me cracking up. I actually had to rewind. I'm like, did I just did I just hear that right? And it, like his father didn't care about the education at all. He's like, man, I was a peasant and now I'm, I got all this. And he was also throwing out money. Uh, there were there were a couple scenes where he was throwing out money. Like when uh, Simran went on her drunken spree, he was paying off everything. Hmm. I will say it was a little bit of a negative for me just because we didn't really get to see much of Simran's side of things in the second half of the film. And so this film is really split into two halves, really. The first half being, you know, them falling in love with each other and the second half being how they navigate this relationship and how they're going to get their parents to approve of this relationship. And the first half, I think it was a little bit more balanced. I know you said it was more Simran focused, and I agree. I think that we did see a lot through her point of view more so in the first half. But I felt like it was slightly more balanced than the second half. And I, I liked Raj and I liked the dynamics he has in the second half. But I would have liked to see more of her because she really doesn't have much, much agency or really much really to do in the second half. I, I agree with you there. I would have liked more. I honestly, I'm excusing it a little bit because just like I feel like that's a lot of the romance films during this time, like the female character. But the fact that she got a good amount of time in the beginning and I felt like her first half was more about her. I felt that it was more equally split. So it, it was kind of weird seeing her kind of move backwards a little bit, but remembering that she was up front, at least for me, that made me more comfortable with uh, how the movie played out. Would I have I liked more with her at the, uh, at the second half? Yes, definitely. But I'd like to see some other, some other developments in her character. Most definitely. But it didn't bother me too much to a point that I would like take away any points. Also, going off what you were saying about Raj's father, I would say that him and Simran's mother were both very good supporting characters and supporting characters that I really, really enjoyed in this film. I enjoyed almost all the supporting characters in here. I, I think like the only weak ones were their friends, but their family. True. You know, they all brought it. The the mother and the father of Simran. That father. Oh, that. That father has that intimidating father that he has. He was great in, in that role. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name at this time, but he he played well showing both the intimidatingness of a father along with the lovingness of a father and how those two kind of switched and came in appropriately. Because also he had this stare, this stare. Mm-hmm. His eyes were about to pop out. As I felt scared, I started instinctively just doing <laughs> chores around the house. <laughs> and it, it reminded me, 
it kind of reminded me of, have you seen the Samuel Jackson meme? Um, I forget what, what movie is from, but Samuel Jackson's in a, he's in a white tank top and he's staring all hard. Yeah. I was yeah. like, man, imagine a stare off between these two. And I'm like, that's going to be our Instagram Ooh. post. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, which one would you rather confront and ask if your friend can stay the night? <laughs> After you forgot to take out the trash last night. Ooh. But yeah, he was he was great. And I he was also reasonable. I like that. Uh, now, granted, yes, I don't think arranged marriage is re- uh, is reasonable, but that's that's me coming from my culture. So I don't want to mm-hmm. I don't want to speak against that. I think that it did a good job of showing that his strictness and his more traditional views and, and his like hardness and tough love like it really did come from a place where he did want the best for her he just didn't always know the best way to go about it yeah it seemed like he was falling more on to his culture and religion to direct his path rather than thinking about it on his own Mm -hmm. they they even have a conversation about recognizing something and something recognizing you yeah but yeah all the sporting characters man they all yeah that father had me i think roger's father is my favorite though just he just had me cracking up yeah. throughout the whole thing. I think he was the best comedic <laughs> yeah. part throughout it all. And, and that's that's great, too. I would say with the comedy, the comedy is not just in the writing and the acting, but it's also in the direction and the framing from the, the director of photography because there are some scenes that be, just because of the way that they're framed, it becomes funnier or something is how it enters the shot makes it even more hilarious. Yeah, definitely. And there are also some like set pieces and framing of those set pieces that really kind of emphasize the romance. There was uh, a scene where our characters are reuniting in a field, and it kind of reminded me of a Pride and Prejudice moment. <laughs> I nothing I more know. romantic than running across a field towards yeah. your loved one. <laughs> yeah, but you sit in that field for more like than thirty seconds. It gets all itchy. You got bugs. On you. It's really not. It's one of those <laughs> that's not that comfortable. There's probably some ticks and stuff in the long grass. Yeah, it's, it's one of those not practical romance scene, or like again being underneath a blanket and looking at your your lover. Yeah, it looks good on camera though. That's it what matters. It looks great on camera. I think we talked about that on a recent episode. I was like, that looks great on camera, but does it work? Oh yeah, we were talking about with ordinary people with him saying that I'm I'm your friend. Like that's not how it would work out. But man, is it a tough moment? <laughs> You're talking about some particular scenes that you wanted to mention in moments? Yeah, so one of them I did just mention with the father because uh, he just had some some great moments in, in those, you know, the dualities of fathers. <laughs> the duality of fathers, yes. Uh, one that had me cracking up, I think this is like kind of the big comedic moment, is Simran getting drunk on some Konak that... Has I don't know if that was actual Konak in there or some kind of magical elixir. It, is that how you pronounce it? No, I'm pronouncing it wrong. What is it again? Cognac. I thought it was, maybe I don't know. I, I always say cognac, but I don't cognac. know if that's right. Yeah, cognac. Okay, I was like, am I pronouncing it wrong? No, m- most likely I'm pronouncing it wrong. But you do, which kind of occasionally though, like I do pronounce things wrong. And yeah, but then I second so guess myself so I don't correct you. I'm like, I guess that's how you say it. And then later on I'm recording, I'm like, there's no way that's right. But that, uh, yeah, she ends up drinking some alcohol, never really drank before, and she kills a bottle. And I was just wondering the whole time, like we get this montage, great singing montage, bit random, but she's just like at that drunk point 
of just wildness and just going everywhere and causing mischief. But she was at that point for so long. I'm like, there's no way that at that stage of drunkenness does that last that long. I'm like, at some point, you got to reach the crashing stage. And they somehow yeah. take like a trip across multiple city- cities with her at that drunk point before like the sick and passed out. But uh, that that going with that, that leads into a trope, the one bed trope. It's also known as the one bed move. You know, when men said, hey, uh, I'm sorry, they, they only got one bed in this uh, this hotel over here. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, hey, I just moved in all the couch, all the all the boxes are on the couches, but we can watch a movie on my bed. That type of thing. Oh, geez. Yeah. The old logistic <laughs> moves. Not that I ever use them. Just hurt. <laughs> but what I like is the execution. And I think that's why sometimes tropes and cliches. I mean, they work they work for a reason. They're they're popular for a reason. And I think they're excusable in the terms of cliche and tropeness be when it's executed well, when it really does get that laughter from you or they do something new with it. And that how that one bed scene turns out, you know, leading into them going into a barn and having that moment. But also the next night when she wakes up and she doesn't know what happens. And I, I thought that was while that was also a moment not to be joking around. I did find it funny and oh, writing no i hated that i i hated it too but part, part it, it the way it played out the way it ended there's two things i like from it i think him having the kisses on his chest was so just ridiculous and even they were laughing on set like they could barely get through this because of how ridiculous it was but um him talking about how he respects her her indian culture would never do anything mm-hmm. to her without her consent um, or out without like her being married, he would he would never try anything like that. I not only think that that was a respectable and noble not development of a character, but learning um, of the character. But it also it plays later in the movie when he doesn't want to steal her away. He wants to um, be given her hand by her father. So I thought that was a little like I, I think that's just some that's some good character writing. Yeah, I appreciate the apology, and I think that he did respect her and realize that what he was doing with joking that they had intercourse, it wasn't, it wasn't a good joke. I think he recognized that, but like she was stronger than me because I don't think I would have forgiven that. <laughs> hey, he got carried away, as they say. Mm, yeah, no, that would have been all right. You're done. <laughs> Get yeah. out of my life. <laughs> I would say though, again, it is the '90s. Like they, it could have been much worse. Yeah. It could have been Definitely. a lot, especially on the Hollywood side. I remember I watched Tommy Boy recently, and there was a joke in there. I was like, ooh, we were doing this back then? <laughs> what did you think about the dance choreography? Because that's obviously a big thing in this movie and in Bollywood. I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm having a trouble like thinking back on it. I don't think it was like super, super memorable, but compared to like some other choreographies I've seen. But... I mean, I enjoyed it when I was watching, and like I said, the musical numbers just in general just make me happy. <laughs> I think my favorite was when her father started dancing and singing because it was something that you didn't expect from him. Yes, yeah, I thought like, ooh, yep, Raj messed up again, and then the father started breaking out. I was like, oh, back at it. Yeah. Because even I stopped, you know, I stopped moving my head and everything. I, I froze up with the rest of the crowd. <laughs> The another thing that makes the the dancing so immersive is the and and the rest of the film are the costumes. I love the costumes in this movie. They they all look good, especially the women. 
yeah, I say it's very colorful and, you know, I, I didn't get the chance to really dive deep into, like, information about the costumings and their costume choices and the color choices, but I would be interested in looking up that later. Did this movie remind you of another movie that we've done on this show? Did I mention Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Because that was the only one it reminded me of. <laughs> no, you didn't, and that's the one and that I- it kept reminding me of, too. Okay, because that was definitely in my notes. <laughs> it was in my notes as well, and I was just, yeah, there's just a lot of those. But again, it's those, it's those tropes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. We we both enjoyed playing trains and automobiles. It had a lot of tropes, but we did. They worked. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a story of you know you're stuck traveling to your destination with someone else because of circumstances, and one person is very annoying. <laughs> yeah, but Raj was more conscious of his. Yes, true. But both ended up having, you know, hearts of gold in the end, so. Yeah, both both learned and, and grew. You know, they both got their, their intimate moments. Maybe more so in planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> yes. Is there anything you want to say before we move on? Um, I think we can move on. I just want to bring up a quick, a little, a little reoccurring thing we have on the show called Date That Movie. <laughs> I noticed that in one scene... They were making uh have you ever drank tang? I, I never drank it, but I, I know what it is. Yeah, it's it's basically just orange powder and water. It's I guess it's not really orange juice. It's about as orange juice as Sunny D. It's- oh, which by the way, they just released Sunny D vodka seltzers and I loved it. <laughs> I love it. I love Sunny D. I think that's why I was a Sunny D girl, so I never really drank tang. But I didn't know it was a powder. I thought it was like actually in cans. No, no, it was a powder. Uh, for us who didn't grow up in that one percent, Caitlin, we used to get like <laughs> this big cardboard cylinder container just of Tang, and it was this bright orange container that was about as bright as the drink itself. And its mascot was just a regular like stock photo of a orangutan. <laughs> Which I get, okay, I get, I guess orangutan Tang was the drink, but it's just. Like, why is there this stock photo of a monkey on the... <laughs> like, they really didn't try for their marketing. Their marketing was, you can't afford anything else. <laughs> but, I, actually, I did have some Sunny D growing up. You know, we bounced back and forth. It depends when the paycheck came in. <laughs> but, yeah, I just saw that. I was like, oh, is that Tang? It's a good old Tang. I used to... I, I grew up thinking that was orange juice. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Moving on, before we get into our influence and significance, actually, we're going to talk about Bollywood itself, because this is the first time that we've done a Bollywood film, and we have a chance to talk about it. Same with uh, some of our other episodes. When we did Breathless, we did the, we talked about the new French wave, wait, French new wave. (laughs) The new Uh, French wave. (laughs) And uh, queer cinema with But I'm a Cheerleader. And this time around, we're going to talk about Bollywood itself. So I mentioned during the beginning show that Bollywood is the largest film industry as far as output. They put out twice as many movies as Hollywood. However, they are only the third highest earning of the film industries. They earn about two billion U.S. dollars a year, and the U.S. I don't know how much they earn more than that because like there's three move three of our blockbusters make about two billion i think this month alone in may the film industry is going to make two billion yeah so so like i 
mentioned earlier, Bollywood is the Hindi film industry, and that's just one of the many languages of India. It was, of course, the name Bollywood. It, it takes reference to Hollywood, but really Bollywood industry was really starting in 1913 with the release of Raja Harjajandra, which was the first Bollywood movie, but at that time it wasn't actually called Bollywood. I think the first talkie film was Alamara in 1931, but it wasn't until the 1970s that it really got the name Bollywood. And this name comes after the city of Bombay, which was the former name for the city of Mumbai. Now, we said that Bollywood is the second largest film industry in the world, and while it doesn't make as much money as Hollywood that you said, the Indian film industry in general, not just Bollywood, it's one of the most prolific industries globally. And like you said, their output is insane. They produce over 1,500 to 2,000 films a year. And that's not just Bollywood. That's just India in general. Yeah, Bollywood is very themselves between 1,000 and uh, 1,200 movies. I, I don't think that's accurate. That's what I found. At least not recently. All right. So the U.S. for reference, they usually release about 800 a year, around 800 a year. And recently, uh, Tollywood has really been getting bigger in India. I think that in the past few years, I think Tollywood's actually surpassed Bollywood in their output. But Tollywood being the Telugu film industry in India. Uh, you also have other industries like Kaliwood, which is the Tamil industry, Sandalwood, which is Kannada language, and Mollywood, which is the Malayalam. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. But yeah, so there's a lot of different industries in India, and just in general, as a cohesive whole, India's output is, is insane. Now looking at it, it says it releases, Bollywood itself releases a thousand, but the numbers do become kind of finicky when you're looking at other portions of the Indian industry. So everybody's reports are a little bit different, what they're considering. But yeah, what you said, it's, it's close to like, it's between 1,500 and 2,000 just from India itself. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the languages. It's not just Hindi. They produce films in over 20 different languages. Yeah, like I said, those ones I mentioned, Hollywood, Hollywood, Sandalwood, Mollywood, those are just some of the, the bigger ones um, in addition to Bollywood. But there are several other languages as well. It's, it's crazy that Bollywood still hasn't really became popular over here, at least faster than other foreign foreign cinema. We've been seeing the, the rise of Korean films. We've already seen the rise of uh, Japanese films, especially anime. But Bollywood, I'm wondering this year or next year if Bollywood's really going to come more into play over here since the success of RRR. Even though RRR yeah. is not a Bollywood film. Yeah, that's a, a Tollywood film. So, I mean, I think that, from my understanding, Bollywood tends to kind of follow more Western tropes nowadays. Um, they're all different. They all kind of have their own different flavor. So, I mean, I'm curious to see if it's going to be Bollywood that really blows up in the U.S. or if there's going to be a rise of Tollywood or, or otherwise that we begin to see now with RRR. I'm interested, too, with Bollywood because, I mean, two of the thing, big things that Bollywood is known for is their over-the-top action. Like, their action is even can get even crazier than the Fast and Furious movies. The Fast and Furious I'd movies... I'd say Hollywood has that, too. Hollywood? Well, also, RRR. I said... It, Hollywood and Hollywood also have that as well, though. 
Yeah, yeah. I- like you said, RRR is Hollywood. Uh, there's another one, uh, Vikram, I watched with, with really over-the-top action that I really enjoyed, which was a Hollywood film, I believe. So... I mean, maybe that's what Fast and Furious, maybe that's why they're going to end it soon, because that's their next step is to make like Bollywood, Kali and Tollywood films. They're like, all right, we got everybody (laughs) used to this type of action. Now we just add in some dance and we got this. And that's the other thing, too, is that they're, you know, just the Indian film industry is really known for their musical as well. They're doing a lot more musicals than we do in Hollywood. And when they were, you know, when Bollywood was first created, they were taking things from all around the world and mixing it with their cinema and one of those was the musicals that were coming from Hollywood of course back then in the 40s 50s and 60s musicals were a lot more popular but now we've been seeing more musicals every year we're starting to get you know two or three so I wonder if as musicals become more popular and foreign films become more popular how would foreign musicals uh, weigh in on that yeah that's a good question and I want the answer Caitlin right now what is it (laughs) So it, it's a film industry though that I've I've not seen too much of. You know, I, we accidentally skipped it in the beginning. You know, neither of us had really, neither of us knew about this movie. Correct? You didn't know about this movie. I didn't. I knew about the lead actor. I will say that, but that was about my extent. He's huge. Yeah, we'll speak about him later. I didn't know about this film when we were looking up. When actually I was looking up, I wanted to watch Bollywood films because I was like. There's this whole film industry out there, and I love film, and I just haven't touched it. It's like finding a new music or sub-music genre, and now you just want to find all the artists from them. This one, I saw how popular it was, so that's why we chose to do this one. It was also a little shorter than our other film that we were looking at, which was Mother India, but that one was like three hours and 44 minutes. No, that was Lagan. That was Lagan. Oh, oh yeah, was that's a right. Shorter. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see more of these Bollywood films. I'll be watching them more throughout this uh, throughout this year. Well, just continuing on with my film spectating, and I know you, Caitlin, you were already kind of dabbling in it a bit. Dabbling in Bollywood Indian films. Uh yeah. So I I enjoy. I've watched some uh, other language films that I, I've really enjoyed but I, it's just like I said for Hindi films in particular Bollywood in particular I don't have that much of a, a repertoire this film I said is a very popular film and that's why we chose it but was it an influential film yes yes it was Caitlin what did you find in your influence so the success of this film resulted in uh, a bunch of other films that blended just like traditional Indian filmmaking with also international filmmaking and international brand of filmmaking. And from then on, a lot of films were shot largely in different foreign locations. So I thought that was something that was interesting. And of course, it brought in a whole new demographic with the Indian diaspora, which we'll talk a little bit more in significance. Another thing I found is just that, you know, a lot of other Bollywood actors have cited Raj in particular as such an inspiration for a romantic lead. And I think just in general, the romance in here is just so iconic there's a climactic scene at the railway station that's referenced in several other films in particular and there's a lot of other bollywood films that make direct references or or pay homage to this film there was an article by the film companion that i found that lists 10 bollywood films that pay tribute to this uh, many of which are on netflix and i'll definitely be linking that on our social media site and speaking of the 
the lead character Raj, played by Khan, or as he's known as SRK, he's another one that he didn't look much like a romantic lead. So he was another one of those pushing during this time of not looking like a romantic lead, but really fitting that part, really making these romance movies more grounded. We talked about that during When Harry Met Sally and a little bit with Pretty Woman. Uh, this also, I don't know if this is really influence or significance, uh, but this soundtrack is also still heavily requested at weddings. I was watching the documentary for this movie, and we'll go ahead and post those links as well on the making of this film. And there was a band that was saying, yes, this is one of the, uh, we, we get rec- um, requested to do this song at every wedding. Hmm. Uh, this also became a Broadway musical. Really? <laughs> yeah, it did. I, I missed that. <laughs> now this one became Broadway. Oh, speaking of the, you, you spoke of Indian films beginning to shoot outside the country. Those countries were welcoming too. Switzerland loved this film. And mm-hmm. when they hit their 500 weeks of playing this film, Switzerland had the, the creative team come over to their country and they had this, they had this big reception um, and recognition from the government for them. Cause this actually did boost some tourism in their country because of the, just the landscaping shots throughout the film or not throughout the film, but during that portion of travel. What did you find for your significance? Well, I think since we're talking about it, we can go ahead and talk about the Indian diaspora and what this film means in that regards. Something that we didn't really specifically say in our summary and opinion is that these two characters at the beginning, they are not living in India. They are living in the UK. And so this is one of the first few films that really targeted the Indian diaspora outside of India. It has an interesting way of really going about this. It, we have several instances here where Raj as a character is having to defend himself, having to defend his Indianness. And we talked a little bit about... Um, Simran as well, how she kind of stays connected to her Indian roots, her uh, religion, her traditional values, but also has to balance the the westernness and the more modern UK culture as well. And, and so it really tries to balance that whole those two sides of the diaspora experience, and I think that it does a pretty good job at it. Uh, It's interesting, I was reading something that talked about the opening of this film, and when I was watching this film, I didn't really understand the opening. Uh, In the opening, it depicts uh, Simran's father, who is feeding pigeons or doves in London, and it kind of shows a scene of him really yearning for his homeland, and it kind of shows him, you know, in a little bit more of a somber mood. And I don't think I really recognized the significance of that opening scene until I started doing more research in this regard. You've mentioned this word a couple of times. Can you, uh, for those who don't know, what is diaspora? Uh, diaspora is the displaced peoples from their homeland. Uh, so it would be residents or, or people of different nationalities who are living in other areas outside of their country. Yeah, I also went back and looked at that beginning scene again after finishing the film to see like what the significance of it was. And yeah, I saw it a bit like what you had said, and I think it also shows the sac 
the sacrifice that he makes, because that's something that gets brought up in the movie later, is the sacrifice and men not having to sacrifice anything. But I think it's it's showing him sacrificing something for the betterment of his his family and particular members. One of the most significant things about this movie is how long this film has been running in theaters. Like how mm-hmm. long this is a choice that you can go in theaters and say, I want to see this movie right here. This movie has been in theaters since they released it in 1995. This movie is, from what I could find, the second longest running movie ever since it's released, the other one being the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But this has been going on for 27 years. Like I said, Switzerland brought them over after they hit their 500-week mark. and But since then, they're at over 1,000 weeks of this movie running. Like generations upon generations, people take their grandkids to go and see this movie. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty neat. In the beginning of the documentary I was watching, they were saying, they, they were asking people, I guess they were asking people, they didn't show that part, but they showed the part of them singing the the lyrics of, of the songs from this film. So this is just a, a big part of the, the culture in India as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mention how this is the rise of SRK, but also the rise of um, Kajul as well, or uh, Kajal. Kajul. Kajul. God dang it, I had it right the first time. And also, this is just another great green dress. Yeah. People love the, the green dress that uh, Kajul wears in this, in this movie, along with the person who's wearing it. She is somebody like, like just as the movie started getting, going along, I, but probably because they just kept giving her like more glam shots and like more uh, scenes of her smiling, I just started like just becoming more um, enchanted with yeah, her. Definitely. I do want to take a moment to talk about Shah Rukh Khan or SRK um, because, you, like you said, this film really did jumpstart his career. He is actually the richest actor in Asia, and he's the fourth richest actor in the world, according to a list recently released by the World of Statistics in January of this year. So I thought that was interesting. He actually ranks above Tom Cruise and Jackie Chan, which I thought was kind of funny because... In this film, originally the director wanted Tom Cruise for the main love interest. He wanted to make a love story between an Indian woman and an American man. And he was like, oh, I want Tom Cruise. But then they convinced him to do an Indian man as well. But Shah Rukh Khan, he's often referred to as the king of Bollywood and the king of romance. And he's appeared in over 80 Bollywood films. And he really rose to fame over his series of romantic films in the 90s, uh, the first, of course, being this one. And it was kind of interesting because he originally didn't want to work in this film because of a romantic nature because he really didn't do romance films before. He kind of played more villainous characters, but he definitely expressed gratitude later on that he uh, was convinced to do this role. And like you said, him and, and Kajul, they really did have some good on-screen chemistry. And, you know, it paid off because they later worked together in several other films, I think. And they were referred to as one of India's most loved on-screen couple. Tom Cruise, that did not surprise me when I found out about Tom Cruise because they had a Top Gun moment in this movie. What was the Top Gun moment? He's driving on... So they had a scene with him, like, running after a plane... And then they had him driving his motorcycle on a mm. uh, on a road, but because it didn't have like the markings, at least the the framing didn't have the markings. It looked like he was driving on that airstrip that Tom Cruise was. <laughs> he has on the leather jacket and it has on the aviator glasses. It's definitely a Top Gun moment. So I guess retroactively, Top Gun had influenced a scene from this movie. Yeah. 
Uh, Aditya Chopra, he's a director. He definitely must have been inspired by Top Gun. But I do also want to mention that we're talking about, uh, you know, Rise to Fame. This was also his directorial debut. And currently, he is a definitely an influential figure in Indian cinema, not only as a director, but he's also a producer, writer, distributor, and executive. Uh, the film's released by his studio, uh, which he's currently the chairman. It's, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but it's Yashraj Films. It's the highest grossing Indian film production company in India right now. Because yeah, he also, well, he wrote the dialogue. Actually, no, he wrote this film as well. Dialogue, screenplay, mm-hmm. yep. and story. Yeah, and he's he's won several awards for the ones that he's directed as well. There is some controversy with the writing on this film, saying that somebody was un, unaccredited, but then there's also some people saying that she didn't do as much as proclaimed. It's also, I mean, writing credits are, are a tricky subject. <laughs> but I just want to say that just in case, you know, like, you know, I don't want to not mention it because there is a possibility... But at the same time, yeah, she's. If you do look it up, you'll probably find uh, Honey, Irene, you know, not getting a credit for this, and there's kind of two sides to it. Hmm. Okay. Do you have anything else for significance? Yeah, I did kind of just want to talk a little bit about the break from tradition and kind of the feminist message that this has, because I do think this was definitely significant for its time. And this film, it's interesting because the story sets up this idea of the ideal woman as the traditional Indian woman who follows traditional ways, very conservative, uh, uninhibited by Western influences. But then the film really turns it upside down because Simram is both, right? She has these traditional values, but she also is her own woman. She's her own individual and she has a little bit more liberal views. So I thought that was interesting of her as a character. There's also some some comments here as far as feminism goes. There's uh, the speech by the mother that talks about sacrifices that women have to make and, and how she made a promise that she would never want her daughter or let her daughter make the same kind of sacrifices that she had to for men and for the family and the kind of sacrifices you make as a woman. Uh, but then there's this really sad line that really stood out to me where she says, I, I forgot women have no right to make promises. And so I think that was an, an absolutely wonderful monologue and a wonderful performance by her mother there. But there were some things as far as the message that I didn't really enjoy. I think at the end of the day, when it comes to Simran's agency, I, I don't think she really had much at the end, even though it tried to portray that she did. I think that really she gets kind of passed between her father and Raj uh, towards the end of this film. And there's a point, several points in the second half of the film where, you know, they're going through the struggles of trying to convince their parents and her father to allow their relationship. And... Raj is like, don't do anything, just trust me. Don't do anything, just trust me. So it kind of just puts all the power in his hand. And uh, there are things that I think just contradicted that message. But but going back to that monologue, that monologue was just was so great. Yeah, that's one of the very well-written moments that I liked. And I was saying that was, that's when I really wrote in my notes, like these, these conversations are powerful and impactful. And that that's the one that really stands out. I, I see the complaint about her not having her agency i don't think i agree with her being passed from her father to raj as if not like i mean that was that was still her own doing like she she i think if she did more 
for the relationship in the second half, okay, yes. But the fact that Raj kept telling her not to do anything that, and just, oh, just leave it up to me, leave it up to me. I got this. You don't, you're fine. It's me. It's all me. Like, that's what bothered me. Because she really didn't have any say. And, and the idea was that it was Raj's responsibility to to take ownership of her at the end. But this is a film from the 90s and it was a conservative culture. And I, I, I can't blame it for what it did. I think that it did the best with what it could do. Yes. Yeah, that's why I think the second part, your complaint there, I, I think that one, that, that one I, I, I don't know if I agree as much, but I, I think it's more valid. I mean, both both complaints are valid, but... That's one I, I can see more of, that second part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really just the second half, because that first half, I felt like, you know, they were on more equal footing. And I mentioned that as far as screen time, too, earlier. Who would you recommend this for? Um, I mean, if you enjoy romances, watch it. I think that it's a fun, romantic film. And if you, you know, that's what you like, you're going to like this. It doesn't matter the language. If you like rom-coms, you're going to like this. Yeah, I would recommend this to the general audience. I mean, of course... General audience doesn't mean everybody. There are some, um, there there are some things to factor in as well. Like if you're into romance, if you're into action, if you're into horror, you know, if if you're not into any of those, then you're not part of that general audience. But I think the general audience that is into romance films and doesn't mind reading subtitles, or watching a film in another language, this is a movie that I would definitely recommend to them. Yes, three hours. I'm thinking maybe we could inform our audience of how to split this movie if you were to split it into two parts if you were to split this into three parts i think you really could split this movie into three parts but i I think that's like the only intimidating factor of this movie everything else yeah general audience and and cinephiles i think there's a lot for cinephiles me as a cinephile i'm still intimidated by the length but it, it does keep you engaged it's not bad due to some technical difficulties and somebody not uh not not signing out the right equipment for the trampezies, the trampanzies. What are those things called? The chimpanzees? No, not the chimpanzees. <laughs> we didn't get the chimpanzees We're either. We're out chimpanzees. <laughs> Dang nope, it. We didn't have the chimpanzees, so pretty much we can't do the choreographed number. But we're still going to go ahead and let you know that we're going to do our spoilers now. So if you have not seen this movie, stop right here and go watch it. Come back. Uh, if you have seen this film or you're one of those people who just don't care about spoilers... Hey, proceed on through. I, I want to start with you're mentioning Roger's plan of don't worry, I got this. I think what he said was very noble at first, which was like, hey, I don't want to steal you. I want to be giving your hand. And mm-hmm. I think that was super noble. I was like, dang, Roger, man, you're really you're really growing up. You know, you're respecting the Indian culture, even though you yourself don't believe in it. And then he goes ahead and pulls off this Looney Tunes plan. Like what was the plan? I don't think he knew what the plan was. <laughs> so the plan, I like the plan. Well, well, no, the plan has was some problems. Plan? The plan has a lot of problems. <laughs> but I, I, I like where his head was at. His execution, I don't know, but I like where his head was at, which is, I'm going to get your family to love me. And yeah. you know, I said, okay, that that makes sense. I see where you're going with it. But then he, his first step of the plan is like Coyote and the Roadrunner. He <laughs> digs a hole, harms a horse by tripping them, and then that person falls, the, the horse rider falls, uh, Khajiit, and he gets, um, I, I forget what those things are called, but it's a trap that hangs you upside down, which I don't know how he <laughs> figured out how to make that, where he got the pulley system, because it wasn't just he threw it over a tree. There was a metal 
pulley above, and then he starts making animal noises, and and then he shoots him down, and you know he thinks that Kojiro thinks that he saved his life. To where I was like, that what what made you think that was the right <laughs> move? I mean, it worked, yes, but that that's elaborate. Like that is loony, like he must have went to Acme to get his stuff. A lot of room for error there. <laughs> so much. It was also it really was, and I think he um I think he recognizes it towards the end of this was cruel and deceitful. It was he he basically infiltrated this family and mm-hmm. attempted to steal the bride. And the family, I mean, they're a good family. They haven't wronged anybody. Yeah, we find out that Kajil isn't the best, but he does hurt some people by going throughout this plan, mainly uh uh Pratit. And I felt bad for her character. I did too. I was. I don't like when they really. I don't like when they introduce a side character and you know that they're just there to be that one other love interest to fill their hole. But that that's. I, I was like, man, can you guys give her somebody to take her hand? Yeah. I mean, I'm glad it didn't like really, really set her up as a love interest. Like there was no jealousy or anything. It was just kind of a side plot. And oh no, I I still felt really bad, but I'm glad he like he recognizes it. In the movie, mm-hmm. recognized it. So I, I like that. I like that he asked for forgiveness and, and uh, you know, invalidates her, her feelings of like, yeah, I, I know I hurt you and I know how that feels. And I'm, I'm sorry that I even did that. He doesn't try to justify his actions of what he did. Like, I mean, after getting smacked 10 times, you know, you really think things clearly. <laughs> uh, the sound effects on those slaps. <laughs> I was like, Insane. Dang. What, what, we had Insanity. another movie recently with us. Sl- oh, yeah. The Apartment. I think this one beat yeah. out the apartment. <laughs> oh, definitely. I felt a little better about it when he did apologize. Uh, Koji, I knew that at some point they had to make him unlikable. At least they weren't too heavy-handed. I'm not a fan of just making somebody unlikable just so that we don't mind when they get done wrong. Mm-hmm. This wasn't as bad, but it was still like, okay, I guess you guys had to do it. I wish there was another way around it. I feel like it was not too heavy-handed until the very end when there's a final confrontation and he just kind of goes off. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Start beating with sticks? Yeah. I mean, no sticks. But, like, his plan in general, it was like, okay, step one, infiltrate the family and get them to love me. Step two, I don't know. <laughs> because he just kind of was improvising the whole time. There was no real, like, okay, like, at what point do I reveal myself? How do I get this to switch over to how do I get them to agree to this marriage? It was just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> it was definitely winging vibes. it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that he at least, I think it was working. It was definitely working. And I think it, it himself was, it, it was making him a better person. Uh, I wouldn't say it was, I mean, it worked that they liked him, but it didn't work towards his ultimate goal of how do I get, you know, how do I get her to be my wife? There wasn't really much strides there. Because they were like, they were clueless. They didn't know that he was interested. They were just going on with his wedding. Yeah, but and then so I his, think... his plan, the the last move would have been like, hey, uh, this is why I'm actually here. Or I don't even think he would have told him that this is why he was here. He would just end up like, everybody would realize, oh, she's better off with him. And then he gets to go away. I think his plan did work because the mm. father does allow her to go with him. And the mother really does notice that she she loves him. And they everybody loves him so at that moment i think a lot of people were conflicted i don't think that the father would have let her go if he didn't see so much of him and the family reacting to him 
as much as before. Yeah, but I still don't think there was a plan. <laughs> like, I think that I understood why she was not trusting him as much because there wasn't as much actions. Well, probably when somebody starts out their plan with a, a Looney Tune move like that, <laughs> yeah, I would have doubts about how the rest goes. I'm like, all right, man, I, look, I'm trusting you, but please, can, can you just give me the layout? Like, I just need to know that no one is going to get injured. <laughs> yeah. Like, I saw you, you know, I saw you have gas cans on a dolly last night. I just, no one's going to get hurt, right? I did think that his his idea, though, that he, of why he didn't want to elope, it was respectful. But also, it's realistic, right? Because, you know, other than just, you know, this is the traditional way to do things. I mean, he didn't want to separate her from her parents. And, you know, you're always going to have that hovering over your relationship if if that's the way you go about things. If there is a separation with the parents. I'm trying. Wasn't there another movie like that? He says, I want the blessing from both your father and your mother. If I can't have them, then we know we can't do this. There's another movie uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, guess who is coming to dinner. Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. And look at all these movies tying in together. I know. Who knew that? Planes, trains, automobiles, guess who's coming to dinner. All that would you know, play into a conversation. <laughs> but I, I like when that happens, though. I think that's you know a, a good part of his podcast is that you know as we're expanding our knowledge, we kind of see these connections and tropes and everything. It's fun. It's unpredictable. Like what? What craziness? Mm-hmm. How is this all going to tie back to Rugrats? Who knows? <laughs> exactly. Uh, last thing about that plan, I, I, it's one of those plans though. You see in movies and TV shows, like there's going to be a, a point where all of this just it just becomes too much and it just all collapses. And that's when way too many people start getting involved. Like when his father shows up, it like, it starts to get on the level. Like I was expecting a crazy, stupid love in the, that scene in the backyard where everybody finally finds out what's going on and they all start fighting each other. I thought that was going to be this movie, which almost kind of happens. I mean, somebody does get the crap beat out of him, Mm -hmm. but yeah, when his father shows up, his father had me dying. Yeah, he was great. And, And I don't usually like, like secret identity lying storylines because they do get old, but I think that this kept it fresh at least. And, and sometimes it becomes unethical. Like I said, I think this one was a bit, th- this, no, not, this wasn't a bit on This was unethical, but at least <laughs> he recognized it and apologized. There's yeah. a lot of movies that they, they don't do that. I think the biggest one recently was Wonder Woman in 1984. I still have not seen that. Oh, you didn't? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They... Yeah, that one's like when you it's when you it's when you really sit down and think about it. Oh, oh no. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, you can tell me later. I'm not gonna watch yeah. Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, no, not worth. <laughs> Let's watching be honest. It. Yeah, there's some other movies where people like will pretend to be somebody else, and then they end up like, um, you know, they they end up making that person fall in love with them, but that's not who they really are. Yeah, uh, sometimes it's a little too hijinksy, and other times it's just like the conversations just are grating to me for some reason when you're you know constantly having it's kind of like a miscommunication trope where it's just like ah <laughs> like i just need you to communicate because this is just putting you in a bigger hole but i feel like I, I didn't have that with this i just wrote in my notes i was like the picture those eyes the aspect ratio because the aspect ratio changes in this and everybody becomes like thinner i'm like what the, what just happened oh i didn't even notice is that bad <laughs> yeah it was yeah, it it threw me off. Like, but it is. <laughs> it wasn't on it for too long. 
It was like real quick, and I was like, "Did I just see what I thought I saw?" But yeah, it's when like that picture is floating around. I thought that was really cool. Okay, I think for me, I was confused like what was happening in that scene because at first I thought that it was like a picture because it was just there. I was like, "Is it a picture of?" Like I didn't realize it was the picture of them. I thought it had something to do with the wedding, and I was I don't know. I was just confused, I and mean, I was like, "Oh, that's that picture." Okay, got it. Oh, so you messed all the suspense when that picture was flying around. You're like, "What the heck is that about?" And I'm over there like. Hopefully that does not get in the wrong hands. Yeah. I would say during this during this part of the film, this is where we get a lot of those like really endearing moments between the two leads, such as them being up on the rooftop, finding out that Raj was fasting the whole time that she was fasting. Mm-hmm. You know, their third time with that returning line of them apologizing to each other, say, hey, I got carried away. And then they have that and that response again. The apartment did that a couple of times as well. So it, Oh, I didn't talk about the sister. The sister was great, too. Yeah, she, she was. She was so supportive. I liked her. I think she's the one that was in a sitcom before this, and I can kind of see that. Yeah, I can definitely see sitcom acting. But she was good. She was really she was really good. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these side characters are, are good throughout this film. Yeah, everyone was really well-developed. I liked it. We did get to see a little bit of uh, Simram doing some hijinks, too, like when she fake fainted and then she did that big old wink which i thought was hilarious for some reason <laughs> that huge wink that everybody would have saw like everybody yeah. saw that right <laughs> like everyone would have seen that but at the same time i thought it was hilarious <laughs> i would have been that guy like just like like you constantly see in the background just eating food because they had snacks all the time but at the same time like does anyone else see this being a really big coincidence no <laughs> no nobody at all nobody saw that picture go by just me okay yep one other thing I will mention is that I hope the aunt and Raj's father, I ship it. I hope they had a oh, connection later. I ship that. Dip. Though I was a little disappointed because I was hoping that was the aunt of Kajit's family. Because like I said, mm. I was like, man, I wanted like Kajit's family to get something out of this. Yeah. They're really getting a raw deal. Like they they got nothing at the end of this. So I was at least hoping like that yeah. would connect it to, but unfortunately not. Same. I was thinking that as well. Yeah, um, with Sharon, she's, she, uh, yeah, she does a couple things. She does something that's actually kind of cruel in the movie, but the way that it, it played out, like, the way it got turned around, I was like, okay, and that's kind of what you get. When she said, when she didn't think that Raj knew how to play the piano and brought him up on stage in front of everybody. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, he didn't deserve that. And then you find out mm-hmm. he can play the piano, and I was like, ooh, ooh, good turnaround. That was a good twist. That was a good twist. I was not expecting that. There's some tropes in here, but they they twist it. You know, through good writing and dialogue, you can make tropes and cliches work Mm -hmm. with some good old subversion. There's a lot of subversion in there. I mean, like I said, with with the father, with him, uh, you think that he just didn't hear Raj correctly, that he failed out of school, which he was the first person to fail in that university in the history of it. (laughs) And the whole time, his father, he's like, we come from a long line of failures. This is tradition. (laughs) Like that's the one. He's not a person of tradition, but that was the one tradition that he was with. Yeah, definitely. Does this hold up for you? Oh yeah, definitely. Like I said the, the tropes they're they're timeless. They really are, and the love story is timeless. And like I said, there are some issues with the feminism that doesn't quite hold up for me. But I mean, you can kind of accept that and take it for what it is. I mean, honestly, we don't have to answer the question. You know, everybody knows the answer. The movie's been going on for twenty-seven years. Yeah. But yes. The, the answer is yes. It it holds up. I think 
you know, even the comedy, it being 90s comedy, it being from a foreign language, I was laughing throughout. The music is great. Dance numbers work. Uh, this, yeah, this is a timeless film. I don't see this going anywhere. This is probably why this hasn't even really gotten a remake of any sort, because everybody just recognizes, like, there's nothing we can do. Like, yeah. one, the movie is still around, so it's not like we can play in on the gap that's there. Yeah, this is yeah, it's just a timeless film. Though the I would say like the one thing that you're gonna see that's dated aside from the tang is the fighting. There's some fighting that goes on here and none of those punches hit. Like there's you can see the gap between the skin to skin contact. <laughs> yeah, it was a little rough. <laughs> it was a good fight. You know, it, it showed like how much his love, like yeah, man, with the power of love, he just started just cutting people in half basically i wonder though between like that fight scene and the over the top action scenes is that just like the way physics work in india because i haven't been to india i've been to indonesia and physics you know from what i knew everything i dropped fell at 9.8 meters per second but (laughs) i don't know maybe physics are different there maybe that's where they film fast and the furious (laughs) maybe what would you rate this film i'm gonna go ahead and give this a b plus i really did enjoy this film like i said there's a couple things that bring it down um Mainly, like I said, with the the conflicting message a little bit and Simram's, I wanted more Simram at the the second half. I do think the first half is a little bit more memorable, a little bit more equal footing. And also I think that between uh, just there's some montages that drag, but overall the film doesn't drag for me. So, you know, I enjoyed it. It kept me engaged. I like it. I give this a solid A and I'll have to wait a bit, but... I mean, I can, because I'm still, I, I just watched this last night, so you know, I'm still really feeling it. Still got the theme playing throughout my head, but this has the possibility of being an S-tier for me. Really? Yeah. The possible S-tier contender, is that a thing? Can you be a possible contender? So I'm curious, Ben, why you're not giving it an A+. plus? Because of the, the things that you mentioned. The mm. I think they could have done more with Sharon's character. I think they could have done a little Who bit. Who is Sharon? Sh- sh- Shim... <laughs> God dang it, Shim, Shimram. Is it Shimram or Sharon? It's definitely not Sharon. <laughs> Shimron. Simron. Why I keep saying Shim? Yeah, where did I get Shim from? Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> Simram. Sorry, that was that wasn't me mispronunciating. That was just me. I don't know that that letter that H snuck in at some point in the podcast. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. I was there looking at my notes. That H just came up and just like, hey, I'm just gonna squeeze in here real quick. Like gonna, my L for Amadovar. <laughs> yeah, that H was like, I'm gonna shimmy into this Shim. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that's what would keep me from going from an A+. Plus. But like I said, you know, A-plus films don't need to... An S-tier film does not need to be an A-plus film. I gave ordinary people, I think, an A or an A-, and that's still an S-tier candidate for me. Or not an S-tier candidate. That is an S-tier film for me. Okay. Yeah, I think I can understand that. Well, I don't need your validation. Patronizing. <laughs> uh, Caitlin, speaking of validation, can you validate our next assignment, please? So we're entering into the late part of spring here so i think it's fitting that we watch late spring a 1949 japanese drama film that we're also going to be watching for aapi month so i i it's a film that neither of us have watched and it hasn't really been on my radar but i it did come up in a couple lists and i'm curious to see it yeah i know nothing and that's not our only assignment coming up keep your eye out for the little mermaid bonus objective where we're going to be watching the original and we're watch the original Disney one. And then as far as I'm concerned, that's the only one. There, there was another, yeah. another remake. I don't know. Maybe we'll watch the straight to DVD sequel. I believe there was one. 
there there was there, no there was two there's a prequel and then there's a sequel that may be worth watching because i want to know what was what is worse the straight to dv the straight to vhs sequels or the live action remakes <laughs> though i remember lion king one and a half actually being good yeah that one was really good yeah. and i remember lion king two actually not being bad that but that was kid me so i don't, oh, I don't yeah, know if i trust good. I don't know if I yeah. trust Little Bryant. That's what I was like. I, I like the second Little Mermaid, but that was that was definitely child me. <laughs> yeah, that was the child Little Bryant. I don't. I'm not too sure about. But yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll look up to see. You know what's the what's the deal with the sequel? See if it's even worth watching. If you guys have any ideas, please let us know. God dang it! If only if only there was a way that you guys could do that. If there was like some kind of some kind of like media. In like a social form, like connecting us together. Caitlin, is this such a thing? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Op Silver Screen. On Facebook, we're at Operation Silver Screen. But on Twitter and Instagram, that's Op Silver Screen. You can also find us on our personal letterboxes to see what else we're watching throughout the week and maybe see some reviews of films that we're not getting a chance to talk about on here. You can find Brian at Swank Seal. That's capital S, capital S. And me, I'm at Coffee Spoon Kate. That's Coffee Spoon C-A-I-T. Till next time, we'll be in HQ. I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. See you. Thank you.